What do you want, money? You blackmailing me? I want you to tell me what you did. Are you, are you talking about? What do you think I'm talking about? I didn't do anything. We, we were kids. Oh, if I hear that one more time. Look, uh, maybe she regretted it after. Okay? Oh, yeah, she regretted it. I didn't do anything. Wrong. What the fuck? Look, I, <laughs> I don't know what you want me to say. Okay, but but, but we, we did not. What? You know. No, she could barely hold her head up. She had no idea what was going on. It was a fucking party. I, I, I mean, yeah, look, we were all drunk, of course, but, 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 but she was into it. Didn't look like she was into it on the video. Video. Oh, you don't remember? Your friend Joe taped it. Let me tell you, that party does not look so good in the cold light of day. I'll, I'll give you anything, okay? I mean, I'll, I'll do anything. Anything. Oh, don't cry. Really, don't fucking cry. Tell me what you did. I didn't do anything wrong, though! She dropped out. Top of her class, and she dropped out. I did, too, to take care of her. The two of us gone. You graduated magna cum laude, though. Did you ever feel guilty, or did you just feel relieved that she'd gone? You know, I was affected by it, too. Okay, I mean, it's every guy's worst nightmare getting accused like that. Can you guess what every woman's worst nightmare is? You are listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often. You've been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight. And welcome back. It is They Must Be Destroyed on Site Intermission number 34. And I'm your host, Lee Blowjob Lips Russell. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm joined by my co-host, Lee. <laughs> no, you be careful, Hardy. How you doing, ma'am? Better be careful with those blowjob lips. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. You don't know where they might have been. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's got uh, spicy right from the get-go. It did. I mean, this is a this is a spicy movie in in certain ways. Um, At least our conversation's consensual. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we're doing an interesting one here. This this is one for uh, for your school, right? Yeah, yeah. Promising young woman from 2020 is what we're going to be looking at. I lost track of what I was going to say. Uh, yeah, it, we're, I'm so I'm so used to doing regular episodes that uh, sometimes I'm like, oh no, I don't have more to say. We can just go right to the break and then get into the review. <laughs> <laughs> we just threw a curveball at you today. That's all. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I threw you off. I was like, we have to do this movie. Mm-hmm. My papers also do next week, so. Yeah, so you know, as as a continued uh, theme lately in the uh, podcast, we're try to cover at least some of Lee's uh, schoolwork on the podcast, just to help her arrange her thoughts and get some different perspectives and stuff like that. So, uh, 
yeah, we're going to get into it. We're going to go to a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Promising Young Woman. You ungodly warlock. Uh, there's this show called Movie Melt and you probably know about it. Uh, and it's once every two... I have no idea how often this is uploaded. <laughs> and it's a show where a bunch of compañeros get together and we play some fun games, trivia mainly. Uh, we talk about new releases. Uh, we have some fun games where we try and guess the title of a movie based on stuff that really probably religious people write on IMDb. <laughs> yeah, it takes about 20 hours to record. There's always a failure midway through. Uh, and then the highlight of the week of the, of the show is um, reviewing a movie. Usually it's kind of a interesting, lesser known cult type movie and it's uh, quite enjoyable. It sounds good in theory, yes. <laughs> I might have a listen one day. <laughs> wow. You ungodly warlock. All right, we got Promising Young Woman from 2020, and here is a trailer that I, I think I cut a little bit down. But, uh, yeah, let's get into that. What are you going to do? I don't know. Whisper something in your ear. Good God almighty. You know, they put themselves in danger, girls like that. It was a perverted thing to say. You think you'd learn by that age, right? Please lay down. What are you doing? It's okay, you're safe. What are you doing? Hey, I said, what are you doing? Every week, I go to a club. I act like I'm too drunk to stand. And every week, a nice guy comes over to see if I'm okay. Okay? You are so pretty. I am a nice guy. Are you? I thought we had a connection. Okay. How old am I? What are my hobbies? What's my name? Sorry, maybe that one's too hard. Cassandra, we're in class together at Forest. You would have been a great doctor. What happened? I left under unusual circumstances. You remember what happened, right? Why I dropped out. I'm not the only one who didn't believe it. We get accusations like this all the time. Who needs brains? They never did a girl any good. I'm so sorry I didn't go with her. You gotta let it go. What are you gonna do? I don't know. Why'd you guys have to ruin everything? We were kids. If I hear that one more time, I have to give him the benefit of the doubt. I was hoping you'd feel differently by now. It's every guy's worst nightmare getting accused like that. Can you guess what every woman's worst nightmare is? I wanted to be a doctor my whole life. Lately, I've been feeling like I might want to get back into it. This is written and directed by Emerald Fennel. Um... I was looking at her credits. She's mostly an actress. This is her. This is her first movie, 
and that she directed. And she's, I guess she's on that, um, the Royals TV series, whatever the fuck, the, the one about like the British Royal family. That's like immensely mm. popular right now. Yeah. That, that series that kind of whitewashes the Royals as like real people when they're not, they're just soulless pieces of shit. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, but yeah, she she did this, and we get into the cast here. Uh, Carrie Mulligan as Cassandra, Cassie Thomas, Bo Burnham as Ryan Cooper, Alison Brie as Madison McPhee, Clancy Brown as Stanley Thomas, Jennifer Coolidge as Susan Thomas, uh, Laverne Cox as Gail, Chris Lowell as Alexander Al Monroe, Connie Britton as Dean Elizabeth Walker, Adam Brody as Jerry, Max Greenfield as Joe McElmore III. Uh, uh, f- fucking Christopher Mintz Plus as uh, Neil uh, from uh, <laughs> I remember him from fucking Superbad. Uh, yeah, this yeah. all this all showed up. This I haven't seen him in anything else since Superbad, and like, oh, there he is. Yeah, there's McLovin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sam Richardson as Paul. Uh, Alfred Molina as Jordan Green, and Molly Shannon as Miss Fisher. And we have a synopsis here from someone called uh, Nick Riganos on IMDb. Pushing 30 and defined by a hideous crime involving her bosom friend Nina, emotionally scarred medical student dropout Cassie knows firsthand that some wounds never heal. Leading an uneventful existence, still living with her parents, waiting tables at a cheap coffee shop to earn a living, Cassie has found the perfect way to deal with the painful past. Dressed to kill at night, Cassie frequents the local bars and nightclubs, pretending to be dead drunk, utterly hopeless and vulnerable. And every week, lethally beautiful Cassie is on the prowl for all sorts of nocturnal predators and other wolves in sheep's clothing who are aware that sometimes the hunter can become the prey. Then Ryan, a kindly and caring old classmate who is the bee's knees, enters the picture. And just like that, Cassie wants out. However, everybody knows that Breaking bad habits is easier said than done. Could Ryan be the one? Okay, that's that's an interesting way to uh, summarize this movie or put a little synopsis out there. Uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's okay. The guy was shooting for writing the back of the box for the uh, the DVD or whatever, whatever the kids buy in physical media these days. I don't know what hologram discs or whatever the fuck you guys use. Um, what you guys use. Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> You're making me sound like I'm so much younger than I am. <laughs> I mean, it looks that way when you're as old as I am. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> We're not that far apart. No, I guess not. But, but yeah, this is... Uh, well, well, we'll get into it here. I'll, I'll, I'll sort of get your thoughts first. But um, I'll, I'll just say, really enjoyed this. So, uh, I'll be interested to, to hear what, what you thought of this and... Uh, I think this is going to be a fun little talk about this one. So, uh, yeah, just, just go into it. <laughs> okay. So, first of all, I'm trying not to let my emotions get into this one because mm-hmm. holy fuck. The way they described the scenario, like the way they had everything, how they kind of ignored that it happened. They said, oh, it wasn't really. Oh, we don't want to ruin that guy's life. Mm-hmm. All of that shit happens. All yep. of it is spot fucking on all of it everybody the lawyer that was involved the teacher that was or the the dean that was involved Mm -hmm. people that are around all of that happens it wasn't even over exaggeration the things that you hear being said are things that have been said to me countless amounts of times yeah 
Like the, right at the beginning when it talks about if they do it to themselves, they ask for it, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I've heard that firsthand. I've been told that firsthand. Like mm-hmm. I, I remember once I was going out with some friends and I had some nice shirt on that showed off my boobies. And the first thing I said is like, what, are you trying to get raped? Ugh. Like, so yeah, this, this movie, I loved it. It was fantastic. I, I definitely have to say like, there's definitely trigger warnings. Like any person who's been through this kind of shit, it's mm-hmm. hard to watch. Like yeah. it's absolutely hard to watch. But it's really good. It is really good. Yeah, no, this is fucking excellent. This is going to be on my best of list for first time watches this year, I think. Um, I really enjoyed it. I mean, as much as you can enjoy a rape revenge film, like there's there's kind of an, you know, asterisk on that. You know, it's just like, but this is not your typical rape revenge film either. Yeah. It's very different. Like, is, is something I appreciate about this. So it, it's one that, it focuses on psychological revenge. Like Cassie mm-hmm. is not murdering dudes. She's actually, you know, it, it doesn't linger on the lurid like shit, like uh, a rape revenge film from like the 1970s or whatever, would you know, you would see the rape happen. You would not get into psychological depth with the actual predators and stuff like that. Like none of that would be present in the film. It's just a bunch of dudes rape a girl then she starts murdering them all kind of thing. Yeah. This this film, Cassie's not even the person who was raped. It was her friend Nina who was raped and her life was destroyed. But Cassie's life is kind of destroyed at the same time. Yeah. Um, and so she takes psychological revenge on male predators. And so she goes around and she basically just shames and puts fear into the minds of these uh, dudes who think they're quote unquote good guys. Yeah. And I mean, as much as it feels like it's, it's even a cliche now, it's still fucking true. Like this sort of toxic male thing, this entitlement to women's bodies, it's just put right in the forefront of this film. Like it doesn't shy away from any of these sort of conversations it's not until the end really. And even then she's not at the very end. She's not intending to kill this dude. Mm -hmm. She's just intending to like carve Nina's name into him so that he'll always remember her kind of thing. I was just, I was, I was really happy that this was, you know, different than a lot of these sort of rape revenge films, because as, as cathartic as it can be to see like, you know, like a rape victim take revenge on the rapists and stuff like that. This one's about the the psychological damage she does to other people and the psychological damage that was done to her. Yeah. Uh, having, having her best friend t- taken away from her, like her final speech to the guy she's been, you know, looking to hunt down all this time mm-hmm. uh, who, who committed the rape, how she, he, she just like heartbreakingly like tells him Nina was my best friend. She was the person who, you know, accepted me for who I was, took me in after she met you. She wasn't Nina anymore. That person was gone. You took her away from me. And and she had like no identity after that. Like she was just kind of forgotten and she wants Nina to be remembered. And it was just like there there's some there's some just like we'll we'll get into it. But there there was some like really great acting in this and everything, too. Mm -hmm. And I was I was pretty fucking blown away by this film. I really liked it. Me, too. I fucking loved it. And yeah, I agree with you, too, because I was expecting like the. I spit on your grave type scenario. 
but mm-hmm. it wasn't at all. It was different because I spent on your grave. It's very cathartic. It's very like for any victim who's ever been through that, that's what you imagine. So when you get mm-hmm. to see it on the screen, as much as it's brutal and disgusting, it's actually relief for somebody because they can like live through an experience cathartically. <laughs> yeah. So this one was more the reality of the situation. This is the more the actual facts of what actually happens to female victims. Like there was the case with the guy who was running for... Oh, my God. He was supposed to be for Trump, one of the guys that Trump was trying to elect into. I can't remember the details. Anyways, he uh, had raped Ford um, when she was younger. I think she was 15 and he was 17 or 18. Mm. And everybody just, well, not everybody, but a group of people, so many people went against her being like, why did you take so long? Did you really get raped? You probably enjoyed it. Why would you want to ruin this guy's life? Like, you probably asked for it. Like, why did your parents let you drink? Like, all those questions were being asked. It wasn't the fact that this guy did something brutal to a young girl that obviously still affects her because when she was talking about it, she was still in tears. Yeah. But to have, to be victim blamed and it's crazy because i even did a paper on it in for my first year class i was talking about like the effects of depression and rape in uh university mm-hmm. and university students and a big thing was the shame like the shame they felt it's not even like the act that happens because the act is like physically awful. It's all the shame afterwards. It's the fact that the cops literally ask you, why were you drinking? Why were you wearing this? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? It's the fact that everyone who you thought you were friends are basically like, well, did you really get raped? Was it really that bad? Should you be charging him? Didn't you just like it? Like, aren't you just mad because he's with another girl? Like, these are the questions you hear. This is what you hear. And then, you like try to rebuild your life and it feels like nobody listens to you. Like you're Mm -hmm. just set aside as this piece of shit person. It's fucked. It's fucked. Like, this is not just like me personally. This is like so many other girls that I've talked to so many other guys that I've talked to. Like it's seen as like you're weak and pathetic if you get raped and it's all your fault and society blames you for it. Mm hmm. You mentioned the cops there like that. That actually is played out in this film, too, mm-hmm. near the end where where Cassie. So she has this grand plan when she discovers that the, the, the actual rapist is like come back to the U.S. and he's got like a bachelor party going on and stuff. So she's going to take her revenge. But she kind of suspects that she might not get out of this. Like she there's a good chance she might not you know, she might disappear. So she makes, you know, um, plans for that. And at one point, a cop asks her ex-boyfriend, Ryan, uh, who we'll get into here in a minute, but basically, you know, asks him, were you talking to Nina? What's going on? And, and he actually like leads him with questions. Like, and he's not, he's not looking to catch Ryan in a lie or anything. He's actually looking to just get his this case wrapped up. Mm-hmm. And then make some conclusions, like, you know, predetermined conclusions like, oh, yeah, she was she was mentally ill and she wasn't, you know, she wasn't acting normal and stuff like that. Like he basically gives, you know, le- uh, asks leading qu- yeah, yeah, he asks leading questions to get the answers he wants so he can just get this off his books and, and go on to the next case or whatever. And it's like it just shows that kind of power structure where it's you know it's dismissive of women and their problems it's just oh and yeah you know between us two guys you know like 
she was just crazy, right? Like we can we can kind of just write this off. You don't have to worry about any shit. We can just you know sweep this under the rug. Even when they were talking to, uh, when she was talking to the lawyer, mm-hmm. and uh, she was about to get revenge on him, but yeah. he broke down. Like you could see, I thought, okay, this part. Holy fuck, was it ever so well done? Mm-hmm. Like when you go into his apartment, you see the lawyer and he's there and he's like, I knew this was coming right away. He knew. And then you get into his house and it's this really nice house, but it's really disheveled. Like the yeah. plants in the background uh, behind him, the two plants are dead, like completely dead. And you he's see got, like uh, the cigarette uh, butts. Yeah. yeah. And the glasses, booze glasses all over the place and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like he looks as if he's got this gorgeous house he's got all this money and then you go inside and you just see this chaos you see this grunginess you see this grime like you see this given up like it's just essentially given up like mm-hmm. he hates who he is and uh when he, he came on and he started saying yeah we look for any evidence and what <laughs> what really pissed me off um is this is what they do this is what they do with a lot of rape victims is they said, yeah, we'll just go on their social media and find anything, find a drunk picture, whatever. Because mm-hmm. somehow the relation of you getting drunk is your fault for getting raped. And that's defensible. They're defendable in a rape case against mm-hmm. the fucking rapist. Like, this yeah. is real shit. That's not a lie. Yeah. <laughs> like- yeah, no, it, it's it's a real it's a really fucking good scene. Um, uh, Alfred Molina in, in this playing the lawyer and he and he's the guy who basically got nina's rapist off mm-hmm. um and he, he you know he did all these sort of underhanded shit he could do to get her uh, case dismissed basically and he feels this crushing guilt and you can get it in the performance and cassie believes and forgives him by the end of it where he just he's, he's so broken down she's like do you you know do do you want me do, did you expect me to come here to hurt you or whatever and it's like he basically just says i deserve it like i i, I hope you do hurt me kind of thing yeah. and like and by the end of the scene where she goes back out and she leaves his house she's got this tough guy just waiting at her car like i'm still gonna get paid right mm-hmm. you know even, even though i don't have to go in there and beat the shit out of this guy i'm still gonna get paid yeah you're gonna get paid she was fully engaged in like having to rough this guy up to get her revenge on him but she saw that he was so crushed and then it's interesting because the different people she goes around to so she does this scheme with the uh, the dean of the school or whatever who had the power to help nina out and didn't do it she she you know she decided to go with the flow of the power structure of the school or whatever and so she does this thing where she sort of uh pretends that she's basically put her uh the dean's daughter in peril with a bunch of rapists basically and you know just just to just to shame her and make her feel you know like shit yeah like like shit like here's here's how it feels to have someone you you love in that sort of danger that scene that scene where she says i didn't want to ruin someone's career Mm -hmm. brock turner when he was in what his situation happened with him they let him off with a lesser sentence because they said oh well it was just one thing that one guy did and we didn't want to ruin his life about it yeah yeah that happens that was literally Mm -hmm. like taken from real life and brought into this movie and it was oh that part was yeah like i really liked how they did that part that's the great thing about this. Like none of this shit is hyperbole. None of this stuff is 
hyper reality movie shit. It's like all super plausible stuff that actually has happened in real life kind of thing. Right. Like all these situations. And then here's the thing, like it's Cassie who, you know, holds the flame to like get revenge for Nina. Like she, at one per, at one point you see her talking to Nina's mother and Nina's mother has gotten over it. Just, just let it be kind of thing. Like she, even she's like defeated and, and she's like, just confused and saddened by the fact that Cassie still wants to take revenge in Nina's name. And it's just yeah. really sad to just, just to see even, even the victim's mother is defeated and doesn't want revenge or anything. Like she just she wants just it to up. go away. Yeah. yeah. It's just so good. That it happened. Yeah. But I think the best thing here is Carrie Mulligan's performance because all through this picture, even though, she has these moments of supreme confidence where, you know, she takes control with these predators and like shows them up and stuff in between that you can see her like self doubts. You can see mm-hmm. how conflicted she is in doing these things. She doesn't feel good about taking revenge. There's no satisfaction for her for doing these things. It's just like a necessity to get revenge for Nina. She struggles with it a lot. When, when the promise of this Ryan guy to maybe give her a normal real life again. And then she gets even betrayed there. So this Ryan guy, like he seems like he's an actual good guy, you know, actual real good guy. He might actually be kind of guy. Yeah. He might actually be decent. It just, it's just a sort of statement on how a lot of dudes think they're good guys when they're really not because he lacks the moral strength to turn his friends in and ruin their lives. Because he was, you know, present at the rape, even the, even if he didn't, you know, partake in it, he was still there and he didn't say anything. And we discover that by the end of the film. And that's the point that really sets uh, Cassie over the edge, right? Oh, my God. That, how they brought that up, how they developed that uh, was fucking genius. Because right mm-hmm. at the get-go, when they meet, he starts asking, oh, I thought you were friends with this girl and this girl. Because it was like the three girls that were really close. And Nina was brought up. And Cassie says, no, I didn't know her. Like, just Mm -hmm. the whole situation. So Ryan knew from the first time he met, and he literally was trying to clarify just to make sure that Mm -hmm. she didn't know anything about him because he was involved with the rape. He did not physically rape her, but he was there. He was present. He watched it happen. He was a part of it. He was an accessory. The person who did nothing to help this young, helpless woman. Mm -hmm. And that's... uh, <laughs> it, it it is it is it, it's very infuriating. Even though you're like watching this and you're like, I know it's only a movie. These are just characters and not real people. But at the same time, it's so just spot on to what really happens that it like it infuriates you and it makes you just go like, Jesus Christ! Like fuck it's this. All shit. real stuff. It's all real mm-hmm. life. Every bit of it is real life. It's the fact that she's trying to get back into life, and then all of a sudden it, she lets herself go, lets herself fall in love and it turns out this guy's a piece of shit and i don't know how many times that's happened to me where i've let people into my life my life and i have posted something on facebook about like rape cases whatever i'm usually like i'm pretty big advocate for this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and the replies that i get from guys and girls even it's so easy for me now because i'm just like fuck it get rid of them but i remember when i was first doing this it was so hard because like all of a sudden i'm just getting rid of people that i thought were good friends or that were close to me or that thought the way i did and it was just i don't know it just aggravates the fuck out of you because anything you write and then someone tries to defend it like they they defend Mm -hmm. the rapist they defend the rapist they give excuses to the rapist 
Ugh, it's just so fucking aggravating. It is the most disgusting thing ever. Like, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, have, no. I have a limited amount of close friends. Like, I'm very uh, picky now, mm-hmm. but everyone I do have, I would fight for, like, tooth and nail because, like, they're amazing. They're strong people, and they believe in this kind of shit. They believe that you don't just fucking rape women and get away with it. Yeah. Like, it's not in their radar. So. Yeah, this is... This is fucking great. I I liked it a lot. I I don't want to like go too far into t- details because I don't want to like totally spoil it for people who might have not seen it. I kind of feel like you know people should really watch this. Like it, it it's just a really good. It's a good. I mean it, it it's, it's not only it just is. a it's not only just a good revenge film, but it's it's a good sort of character study and the the sort of the psychology behind it. And like I said again, the acting's really good. These are believable characters. The Cassie is super believable because mm-hmm. a lot of these rape revenge films, they become exploitation films. And a lot of the times you can start to have a hard time believing that the female protagonist is doing what she's doing and like getting away with it to the point where, you know, the cops aren't involved in stuff. At least this gives you a kind of a an out on that regard where mm-hmm. she's not killing dudes. She's just she's breaking them psychologically and shaming them. So that's something that she could do. Yeah. So that's something she can do and fly under the radar. Right. And I love. Sorry. Go on. No, I, I was just saying it, I, I really appreciated that it, as much as I enjoy seeing a film where, you know, like a wronged person is, you know, taking a barrel of a gun and, and blowing some rapist fucking skull open. This movie takes a Super different awesome. tact. <laughs> What's that? Did you ever see I Spit on Your Grave? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. Okay. I'm yeah. Not... That's what I was saying. Through the gun to the head, but through the asshole. Mm-hmm. Like, sticks yeah, the gun. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I appreciated this one. It, it didn't, it didn't focus on the lurid exploitation shit. Like even, even when um, the, the video of uh, Nina's rape is, is, is brought to light, we never see it. We just see Cassie's reaction to it. Right. And we hear it it's just fucking gross and I, you don't need to see it in the film. And again, I just, I really like that the way she goes about her revenge allows her to keep doing it over and over again, as opposed to if she was killing people, it's like the cops are going to be on her ass just like that. Right. But here it's like, she, she's allowed to continue her, her uh, scheme for revenge over and over again, because it kind of uses the guy's own sort of toxic masculinity against them because none of them want to speak out about being, you know, owned by a woman, you know, basically, you know, getting shown up and then made a, basically made a quote unquote bitch or a pussy or whatever. Like none of them want to fucking talk about that shit. So it's not like they're going to go to the cops and complain that, that this girl like faked being drunk and then shamed me when I tried to rape her kind of thing. I think the writing on this is brilliant and I think it's really, really fucking good. They did a good job at in- introducing Cassie and the whole kind of scenario as well. Because mm-hmm. when the three guys were talking before we even see Cassie, when the three guys were talking, they started talking about how uh, women shouldn't be a part of business because you can't bring them to strip clubs anymore. Yeah. And if she wants to do well, like maybe she should do sales better because they do better. And just how they talked ne- very negatively mm-hmm. about females and uh, I thought that was a good way to introduce us to the realities of what a lot of women here and have to deal with. And people always brushed off saying like, Oh, just get over it. Yeah. And, and they're not even, they're not even being like quiet about it too. 
Like she's just across from the bar pretending to be drunk. And they're just like such a good job. Yeah. And they're, and they're just blatantly like, you know, making lewd comments about her in her in earshot that she can hear kind of shit. Right. Like they're, they're just totally doing that. And then the, the quote unquote, nice guy of the, that group of guys is like, Oh no, I'll just go over and talk to her. And then he, you know, he takes her up to his apartment and tries to rape her and shit. And that's, you know, the sort of introduction to her whole, what she does or modus operandi, you know, kind of thing. So. Did I ever tell you uh, the scenario, the situation where I found a passed out girl in the bank? No. Okay. So this is kind of the situation where it's similar to this. So I uh, was walking home, saw a girl passed out in the bank. So I went to go see her and make sure she was okay. Mm. And I didn't, I tried not to take anything from her. Like I was trying to get her like wallet to see her name or something, but I didn't want to touch any of hers because she was still kind of conscious. Mm -hmm. So I just decided to stay with her because yeah, I didn't want to make her feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, I just stayed with her. And then the guy, three guys come in and they say, yeah, we'll take her home. Uh, we know where she lives. Like, uh, she's buddies. She's friends with this person. And the girl was like half, like, whatever. She's like, I don't fucking know these guys. Like, fuck off. So I don't know mm. if she knew them or didn't know them very well. But I remember I was like, I got her. I'll stay with her. But these guys want to take this girl home. Mm. And there's three of them. I don't know. It just didn't feel right. It honestly didn't feel right. I'm happy I stayed with her. She ended up getting home safe. Uh, I had a friend who was at the restaurant across. He got a cab for her and took her home. And yeah, so she got home safe. Everything was good. But I remember the girl looks up to me and she's like, you're a fucking angel. And <laughs> it's that reality that had it not been me that found her, someone have easily could have just taken her home and tried to take advantage of her. Like that's, yeah. that's the, the craziness of the situation. Like all her friends left her. Like the whole Cassie scenario, all her friends left her. She was insanely drunk. Like she was barely coherent. I should have just called the ambulance because that would have been a lot smarter and safer. Mm -hmm. But first time I've been in this situation. Uh, But yeah, I managed to make sure she got home safe. And uh, yeah, just it's just fucked. Like it's just fucked. Like, yeah, this happened to me about, I say, six years ago. So it's not a thing in the past. It happens. It happens a lot. Mm-hmm. I yeah. had another scenario where I had this guy. My friend was really drunk and stumbling, so I was trying to get her home. Mm-hmm. And this guy kept sneaking over and tried to take her home behind my back. And I literally grabbed the guy and I said, fuck off, or I'm just going to punch you in the goddamn face. <laughs> and then he would leave. And then when I left her, when I was alone, he would come find her again. And then I would run up to him and he'd run in the opposite direction. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is what I mean. Like this, how they did it, uh, like you said, there's nothing unpleasant that you see. Like anything that you see, there's nothing that's very graphic. There's no rape scene, there's no beating up, there's no blood, there's no nothing. It's very toned down when it comes to that. Yeah, it's not until the end when when Cassie uh at, at the very end when when she's you know, in the struggle. With, but with even then, even then, it's not even that bad. Like it, it's hard to watch. Absolutely. But, yeah, well, it's, it's not a rape. It's a murder at that point. And it's, yeah, but it's, it's like, not even yeah. even if when you think about it, like all the other movies that you watch and all the other scenes that you watch where there's like murders and shit, it's a lot more graphic. This was very simple when it came to all the the hard to stomach stuff. There was nothing mm-hmm. that there that was over the top. There's nothing there that was graphic. There was nothing there that was like oh, you have to turn your eyes away. All of it was just real fucking scenarios that were put in your face and real goddamn reactions. And yeah. that's where it like kind of shook you. You didn't need the graphic scenes. You didn't need any of that. I think I would have just taken it too far. This was the perfect amount to say, 
We don't have to tell you what happens next. We don't have to show you what happens. We don't have to do this. And that's this movie. This movie mm-hmm. just portrays everything so perfectly. The the sort of the violence and, and the rape and the sort of where it's graphic is basically it's in Carrie Mulligan's performance because she kind of wears that trauma on her throughout the entire film. God, so, was she ever good. Yeah, she's very, very good. Like the, the how she played the fake drunk. Mm-hmm. Like the fact is, you know, she's acting to act in the first place. Like she's acting to act drunk in the first place. Mm-hmm. But how she does it, the, it was the, yeah. The the ironic thing is that she was like telling the director she wasn't confident that she could pull that off, and but you know she pulls it off. And, and the director basically just told her, "You don't have to play real drunk. You're playing someone who's playing drunk. So just do that." And she did it. She did such a good job, though, like mm. the half open eyes, the like droopy feet, the like getting your phone, like just that hand gesture. Because mm-hmm. I've I've been with my friends at the bar, and it's just that's so iconically them. Like that's so much. Like when I saw it, I was like, she looks drunk. She actually looks drunk. Like did she take a fucking bottle of whiskey and was like, mm. hey, let's get shit faced. <laughs> but um, I think the most powerful thing yet, uh, it, well the biggest thing message power whatever word i'm trying to come up with now the one that really uh stuck with me the most was the scene every scene where cassie just goes from uh i need to go home or oh no i don't Mm -hmm. want this or whatever and then just she's she's like i said i want to go home that's it Mm -hmm. she's just goes sober and then they freak the fuck out yeah they freak the fuck out there and it's this oh oh no i'm a good guy i'm a good guy what are you talking about i'm a good guy and it's all of a sudden because she's sober and they realize what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So it's it's even more powerful. And then it's even a step on top of that when they try to convince themselves that what they did was okay. Blame her for it. Saying she's fucking crazy. She's psycho. Like, only a psycho would do this. And then try to defend themselves as to why they did it. Yeah. They, like, they oh, try to... Uh, because, you know, they, they try to convince themselves that they're getting consent from somebody who can't actually consent. They're not in a state to consent. But if, you know, if... It's it's okay if it's a social situation and they're you know they're they're drunk they're both and drunk. yeah you know it's, it's just, okay yeah the, the the movie the movie highlights that that sort of situation perfectly and uh, it's really oh. really good and the hit home line where the whole it's a worse a man's worst nightmare to be accused of this kind of stuff mm-hmm. and what do you think a woman's worst nightmare is yeah a and guy little- who gets uh, wrongfully accused of rape. I am not going to say it's a good thing, but mm-hmm. does not go through the hell that a woman does when she is raped. Mm-hmm. And the crazy stat uh, is that I think it's 97% of rape accusations are truthful. It's only 3% are fake. Mm-hmm. But I think it's like 75, 80% of women don't report their case and yeah. then the ones that do report only a very tiny percentage of those women actually get any sort of results out of it right. most of them just get told that it was their fault to get blamed for it and even if you look at um like read into brock turner with his uh, rape victim uh there was a whole facebook page trying to save brock turner mm-hmm. saying that he was innocent and that he needs to be at the Olympics because he was such a good swimmer. Yet yeah. He was so terrible to this girl. Yeah. It was awful. It was awful. What he did to her. Yeah. He got caught. 
and got away with three months in prison. Like yep. people yeah, who smoked weed got worse. It's fucking. <laughs> it's yeah. It's it's fucking gross. It's fucking gross as shit. Unless we got anything else we want to bring up, we can sort of get into uh, box office and all that shit. I'm just going to keep ranting. So <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, you've, you've had your talk, lady. It's time for you to shut up and let the man talk a little on this show. Um, Why did you uh, have a lady on the show anyway? I don't know. I don't you know. know. Two men can talk about, you know, f- uh, female rape and empowerment and all the other things. Like, explain it all to us. Exactly. Uh, budget was anywhere between five to ten million. They don't give an exact uh, amount there. Probably, you know probably figuring in like advertisements and stuff box office though was 16.3. So at least made a little bit of a profit, um, which is saying something, especially 2020. Yeah. Moving 2020, making a profit like that. Good on you. Uh, I think the theaters were pretty much shut down shortly after it came out. Mm-hmm. This is everywhere. Basically DVD, Blu-ray, iTunes, Google play, Microsoft store, Fandango. Now Amazon prime voodoo movies anywhere. You can find it. Didn't go too deep into trivia here. Uh, I'll just mention that an interesting thing here is that rape and sexual assault are not spoken in the film. Those words are not ever spoken in the film. It's so true. Yeah. So it's like, it, it's always, it's always Cassie, like, you know, you know what you did or you know what you're doing. And mm-hmm. it's never, it's never spoken out loud. It, you know, it's left for the audience to like, oh yeah, no, I, I get it. I get what's it's going their on. It's reaction here. without saying the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the film was nominated for five Academy Awards in 2021 at the 93rd uh, installment of the Academy Awards. These include Best Picture, Best Actress for Carrie Mulligan, Best Director, Emerald Fennell, and Best Editing. At the end, the movie won one Oscar for Best Original screen Screenplay for the film's uh, screenwriter, uh, Emerald uh, Fennell. With this uh, film, Emerald Fennell is the first woman to be nominated for the Academy Award for Best Director for a Debut Film along with uh, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland uh, from the same year. Um, Emerald Fennell and Zhao became the second and third women to be nominated at the Academy Awards for writing, directing, and producing in the same year. Uh, The first being uh, Sofia Coppola for Lost in Translation in 2003. I watched Mm -hmm. Nomadland for my first movie for the film class. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think I ever would have watched it otherwise. And I'm kind of grateful that I did get to watch it because it was a a pretty powerful movie. Like they did a really good job. It was very uh, naturally flowing movie because all Mm -hmm. the the actors that they use were actual nomads. Yeah. It's really cool. That's another movie people should go watch. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So I guess we're going to conclude this one. Do you have anything you need to plug or anything like that? Just that I'm here chatting with you on the oh, show. Yeah, well, yeah, check that out, guys. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so you can find the rest of our stuff at tmbdos.podbean.com, where you can find our Apple Podcast, Facebook, YouTube links, join the Facebook group, and you can uh, suggest films for us to watch and just talk to us and interact and ask questions and get them right on the show and answered and all that good stuff, you know, the usual uh hubaboo of uh podcasting i don't know i'm rambling now um but yeah uh, <laughs> that was a musical episode <laughs> mm-hmm. hysteric hysteric I, I'm, I'm getting male hysteria right now i need a vibrator <laughs> really quick um but uh yeah uh thank you lady lee uh and thank you all for listening and we will be back when we're back goodbye bye
Facebook and YouTube links, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through.